Assalamu alaikum guys and welcome to episode four of the group chat podcast Ramadan lockdown series. Uh, we've had, you know, really, really beneficial episodes so far and today is going to be exactly the same inshallah. We've got Maulana Saifu with us today. Assalamu alaikum Maulana Saifu. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Firstly, thank you so much for, for coming on and giving us some of your time. Maulana Saifu, uh, we met um, when I first went Umrah, Maulana Saifal was the person that organized that package, led the tour, uh, Al Ansar tours, and alhamdulillah, we've kept in touch ever since. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank so, you. Thank you for firstly, obviously, inviting me. Um, um, it's always nice to catch up with people that you know, and especially during this you know, pandemic where absolutely, you yeah. don't see how you, know, you can't really go out and about, but it's nice to just keep in touch yeah. with uh, each other. So, so, so what we're going to speak about today is um, maybe a topic that might not get discussed as much. You know, people focus on the initial stages of Ramadan, that excitement, that burst. Um, and a lot of people focus on the last 10 days and the significance of, of those. Uh, but not many people speak about that midpoint. And this episode is going to come out on Thursday, which is tomorrow, which is actually the midpoint of Ramadan. Uh, and a lot of people might be going through what we call Ramadan fatigue, maybe a bit of a slump, maybe actually feeling a bit overwhelmed that they haven't been doing enough. Um, and it's what is, we're going to try to tackle what should be the response to that, inshallah. So we, st- we start off with um, how the problem even starts off in the first place. Uh, how, why do people feel like, first of all, they feel like they're getting into a slump or why do they feel so overwhelmed? During Ramadan um, Yeah I think What you just mentioned about You know When it gets to the Midpoint of Ramadan People are slowly Starting to kind of That energy You know Is lost And mm. that buzz And that enthusiasm That was there Right from the beginning Of Ramadan That slowly starts To fade away And I think The most important thing Is that I think People need to realise That it's natural It's firstly It is it is, a, you know, it's our body, how much can it take, you know, by staying up all night, every single night, there comes a point where it's inevitable that it's going to happen, right? So I think if, if it's happening to people out there, it's, they, ju- they should just understand that it's just natural, you know, for, for this to happen. Um, and I think if you, you know, understand that, that, okay, it's bound to happen some point, then I think it helps you to realize how you can actually gain momentum again, once again, to go through those second half of the month and especially the last 10 nights. Um, but I think probably one of the reasons why it might happen is because you know how some people like, like to plan their Ramadan. And I think, you know, everyone does, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, the saying goes, if you um, fail to plan, you plan to fail. Right. So everyone wants to plan before Ramadan. They want to, you know, they want to do this and that, and they make a plan. And sometimes that plan can be overwhelming. Um, and it's hard for a person to see that because obviously it's good intention. And of course that person will get reward for that, but sometimes they might just, um, it, it just might be too much for them to actually take in. And once they realize, you know, after those days are going, they're trying their best to, you know, carry out that plan as much as they can. But then there comes a point that naturally, you know, you start to lose that energy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things is that, of course, planning is important, but it has to be realistic as well. 
I mean, you know, people are going to work as well during the month of Ramadan. People have got children as well to look after. You get the family to feed. So yeah. there has to be a balance. Mm. I think I think um, what you say about being realistic, for example, and and this is not saying anything about any type of person, but if you've if you rarely read the Quran outside of Ramadan, and you plan now to read a juz a day, yeah. it's going to be difficult. It is literally you're throwing yourself into the deep end. You know, it, you know. Alhamdulillah, some people can go through it and, and they do read one juz a day and they manage to do it. Other people, because it's so foreign or because they're not used to it, it requires some, some level of practice, yeah. they burn out. First day, second day, they're going strong. Maybe first week, they're going strong. Uh, and eventually, it grinds to a halt because they just want to do something. They don't want to do something different, right? Um, how, how does someone counteract that? Maybe still, still to feel that positivity, mm. but, but, you know, manageable. Yeah, I think it's very important to firstly you know when you obviously you've got your plan ready your you've got uh, things that you want to achieve in this holy month and one of the things that could become a factor of that demotivation and that slump could be by you comparing yourself to others mm. and we just have to understand that not every single person is the same some people as you said as you just mentioned you know uh, they probably used to reciting the quran outside the month of ramadan and in the month of ramadan it's easy to recite to jews and possibly for them you know they might even finish two or three or four khatams of the quran mm. uh, but for a, for a person who doesn't really take out that time before ramadan it will be hard maybe even to read one okay um, so i think Firstly, you can't compare like yourself to others because everyone's, you know, Iman is different. Everyone is practicing. Everyone's on a different playing, you know, on a, on a uh, different level of Iman. And actually, that brings to mind a hadith, um, a story. And um, that story is actually quite motivational for those people who feel like, oh, I can't keep up, you know. And it's mm. actually a beautiful incident that happens at the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where so, a companion so. by the name of Hamdala, um, one day, Hamdala is looking really worried and is like thinking, you know, so many things are going through his mind. And at that moment in time, Abu Bakr, he walks past and he sees Hamdala and he goes, what's up with you? you know, I haven't seen you so distressed, you know, uh, for a long time. What, what's happening to you? Then Hamdala, he explains that, look, when I'm with the Prophet وسلم, it's like a different experience. It's like I can feel Jannah next to me. I can, I can almost see Jahannam. I can, my Iman is right up there. Yeah? And I think most of us, we also go through that. There are times in the year, there are moments in our life where our Iman is really high. And then Hamdala goes to Abu Bakr, the reason I feel I'm, you know, quite, the reason I'm quite distressed is because I think I've become a munafiq. I think I have just become a hypocrite. And Abu Bakr says, why? why? Why do you say that you've become a hypocrite? He goes, well, when I'm with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it's, you know, my Iman is really high. But when I'm with my family members and when I'm doing my daily work, I forget all about that. And guess what Abu Bakr He says, you know what? I think I've become a hypocrite as well. <laughs> and then both of them are like, oh no, we are hypocrites now because we're with, we're, when we're with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, our, um, you know, our Iman is different and we are so much more motivated to do good things uh, in Islam. 
But when we were away with our family members and just getting on with the you know, normal routine, normal daily life, um, it's different. So they go, let's go and speak to the Prophet Wasallam. There's something wrong. You know, we need to fix ourselves. So they go to the Prophet Wasallam and they, you know, explain what's, what's happened and what they think about themselves, that they are hypocrites. And the Prophet Wasallam said, you know, if your iman, if your faith, your, you know, the level of iman that you have, if it was to be at that same level, that same level when you're with me, when you're at home, when you're at work, when you're with your families and, you know, when you're just out and about, if that same iman was at the same level, right up there, then the angels would come down and even meet you and handshake you. Mm, but the Prophet Sallallahu says, you know what? Slowly, slowly. So I think from this, we understand that everyone's iman fluctuates, you know, sometimes your iman is so high. So you want to do one juice, two juice a day, and you can, because you know, the reward, you've got the motivation, but then the iman is bound to dip as well. And it's mm -hmm. natural. And the Prophet says it as well, you know, you, no one can remain in a, uh, with iman to such a high level all the time because if they did the angels would come on even shake your hands and embrace you so mm -hmm. i think it's really important for us to understand just from this story that you know there are times that we are going to feel low and there are times that we just think that oh we can't do it but i think the main thing is just acknowledging that okay um i'm not this is something that i did not plan in the beginning because obviously if you plan and go into the month of Ramadan thinking that, you know what, I'm just going to worship for the first 10 days, yeah, mid 10 days, I'm just going to take a no, rest. Yeah. No, no one plans that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So, um, so you know, if, if you do feel slightly overwhelmed, right, and you acknowledge that, and subhanAllah, you, you've shared a beautiful hadith of the Prophet mm -hmm. um, how, how do you take practical steps to try claw back that enthusiasm yeah so i think one of the best ways um what i would say is that you start looking at your plan that you made or things that you wanted to achieve in ramadan and you will only feel that slump happening if you were you know really engaged in worship in the first few days so you know, you can do really, really small things whilst you're doing even just the housework or cooking or even um, looking after the kids or anything or even working. You can take a bit of time out doing dhikr, even for five, ten minutes. Um, today, I was just speaking to some of my cousins and uh, my sister-in-law, she was saying that whilst she's cooking, she's reciting dhikr. And her uh, my auntie, my mother-in-law, uh, her mother-in-law, my auntie, she yeah. thought... Um, she was singing. She thought, she thought like she <laughs> sings and cooks. And she goes to her, why do you sing and cook? She goes, I'm not singing, I'm doing dhikr and mm -hmm. afghar. So there are small, small, tiny little things you can do. And I think by doing those tiny, small things during these days, it will definitely gear you up for the last 10 nights. Yes. And obviously you want to preserve your energy mm -hmm. as well. So you know how we feel the slump in midway? Don't go down to that extent where you're not doing anything at all. I think that would be detrimental, especially, you know, it being the month of Ramadan, you want to make use of every second. Mm. But again, don't exert yourself to that extent that you're, you tire your body out so much that in the last 10 nights, you're like just sleeping all night. Finished, yeah, 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 yeah. So I think, oh. again, it comes to the whole notion of and concept of balance, I would say. Mm. Mm. So 
um, you, you speak, obviously this is focusing on this mid slump, right? But what would you say, because the last 10 nights are coming, in terms of the best level of preparation to be able to take full advantage of those last 10 days, what would you recommend to do right now? I think first and foremost, dua. You know, make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you the strength, um, to give you the energy, the strength, um, for the last 10 nights and also for the remaining days of Ramadan. And yeah. as we all know, you know, you know, we don't even know if we're going to live to see the last 10 nights. I think with that in mind, that could also help someone to really kind of keep going in this yeah. mid Ramadan, because who are we to say, and who are we to even think that we live to see the 21st of Ramadan or 22nd, 23rd? Um, how many people have passed away in Ramadan? How many people have passed away that were here last year, not this year? So there is no guarantee that we'll even live to see the last 10 nights. So I think we have to ask Allah first and foremost to give you the strength and also for us to reach those special nights. Um, and we know, you know how much those last 10 nights and especially the odd nights, how much virtues and blessings they have. So definitely keep making dua during these times you know allah i want to reach those last 10 nights make me reach those you know how we recite the dua allah balighna ramadan um let me reach ramadan before ramadan we make this dua mm. quite often don't we um and it would be the same for the 10 nights as well allah let me reach those 10 nights um and again i would say make dua that allah gives you the strength to carry out as much worship as you as you possibly can and again keep engaged with these small small ibadah you know standing in taraweeh um, making adhkar after fajr after asr um, as much as you can and reciting as much quran as you can you know a scholar um, he sent an email out uh, the other day and he said that before i used to tell people look the pious predecessors, they used to read five khatams, ten khatams, you know, we need to do the same. But then he said that, you know what, this is actually unrealistic. And he can actually put people off because then mm. obviously it's a natural thing for you to compare and say, oh, five, ten khatams, I can't do that. Yeah. So now he said, you know what, I don't even say that anymore. I say just read as much as you can. And we should take... Um, happiness from that because at least you're doing something and i think another thing is during this mid ramadan period keep thinking keep believing that every action that you do is multiplied so whatever you do you're just benefiting right you're not losing out on anything if you don't do absolutely anything and just watch tv and netflix online and goes <laughs> yes that's you losing out but even mm. if you do tiny things very small small things your rewards multiplying by even up to 700 times possibly yeah. so um i think that should be in the back of our minds that look let me just do whatever i can well what's the um hadith about the small continuous deed yeah 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 because uh, so, it always so beautiful but i can never remember the the actual wording the actual wordings okay uh oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I can't say the actual mm -hmm. wording. Mm -hmm. I know which one you're on about, you know, they're, yeah. they're consistent and mm. uh, even though they might be small, but you carry on doing them. Um, something, I don't want to say the words, but mm. I'll to those words that those small deeds are the best that are continuous. You know, you keep mm. doing them, but you do it 
you know, consistently. And I think that goes, that goes with every action that we do, you know, um, like for example, charity in the month of Ramadan, even praying or the dhikr or tilawah, just doing bit by bit, bit by bit, you know, but every day, I think that's the key. Yeah, subhanAllah. Uh, I actually wanted to ask this question and I was going to ask you this question even before this whole episode, generally like in the first couple of days before I even thought about this podcast idea was um, if you have intention of doing something in the last 10 nights and inshallah an odd night, um, you can't do that right now, right? So do you just, you just have to wait? Like... Let's use an example. Um, you want you want to donate or you want to you, you want to give sadaqah, right? Um, but you you want it to be on an odd night, yeah. so you want that reward, right? Um, but it's the second, third, fifteenth night. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Do you just do you just wait? Do you, or do you, you know do you just make dua that you're gonna make it? But how do you how are you still rewarded for this? Okay, so um, I think you probably mentioned it as well quite briefly that the intention is there, right? So you having that intention, and this is the beautiful thing about our religion. And this is how merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that even if someone makes an intention to do something good, a good deed is recorded in their book. SubhanAllah. That is just you making an intention. You know, you haven't even done the action yet, right? So by someone having the intention of doing something good, for example, as you said, they want to donate on the odd nights. Then for that, Allah has already rewarded you for this. Okay? Even though we haven't even you know, implemented those things that we want to do. And then when those nights come and then you do the action or you do the whatever what you, want to, you, you made the intention for, you get more reward on top of that. Yeah. So I think if someone wanted to do that, as long as the intention is there and they really want to do it, say that person passes away before that time comes, they will still be rewarded with all that that they wanted to do. Yeah. So I think it doesn't necessarily have to be an action taken right there and then on behalf of like 27th night, I'm doing this now. Having that intention, you want to do it. That's your reward. That's, you've, yeah. you've got that reward now. Okay. And of course, you know, one of the main things and main pillars in our religion is about the whole idea of intention. And I think this idea is quite useful for like, um, um, for anyone around the house who's cooking or who's preparing iftar, because just by tweaking your intention, you could be accumulating so much goodness, but all it takes is that tweaking and all it takes is the uh, knowledge of, okay, hold on a minute, I'm preparing food. So on one side, you can just be preparing food. Yeah, okay, so people can eat. That's what majority of the people probably think, right? But if someone's making food and they are thinking at that same time, I'm making this food, my family is going to eat this in iftar so they can have the energy to stand for taraweeh and pray to Allah. That person who's cooking is going to get all that reward. Look how much reward is being accumulated just by changing the intention. And I think one of my teachers always used to say, even when we wear clothes in the morning, right? Like who's going to walk out without any clothes? No one, right? (laughs) So you wake up, you're going to put clothes on anyway. If at that moment in time, you just have the intention, I am wearing clothes to cover myself, uh, to have modesty. It's a sunnah of the prophet to wear clothes. Every single second, whilst you are wearing clothes, you're just getting rewarded. So... It's one of the, I'm sure I think I did mention it when we went Umrah as well. Um, 
when we go inside the masjid, when you step foot in the masjid, just have the intention of i'tikaf. As long as you remain in the mosque, you are getting the reward. So again, you know, like, as you said, you know, if you wanted to give something in the last 10 nights, make the intention firmly. Don't have the like 50-50 intention. Oh, I might just give if it's the 23rd. And 23rd. <laughs> but you really got the full, you know, full intention, sincere intention. Allah yeah. will reward you for that. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. I, I think that's a... Uh... Another thing that people could do in the in the next five six days before the twentieth night is make the intention on what they plan to do in the remaining ten days, inshallah, and may be rewarded. Um, so I wanted to move on to a, a couple of questions that I got. So I asked for questions for this episode, and one of the question was um, if they feel spiritually low, like for example, they are maybe suffering from uh, a mental health issue or something like that, right? How do they still make the most of Ramadan? How, how, how do they put that to one side? Well, you know, what what can we learn from the teachings that allow someone to, for this month, at least to make the most of it? Okay. So I think, you know, you mentioned uh, an example there. And I think someone else also asked me another example where, a sister, she messaged on Alansa um, um, Instagram, asking, "Look, I'm pregnant, and I cannot, I won't be able to fast during this month. But how can I still make the most out of this month? What can I do in order to kind of feel its, you know, feel its fruits and the rewards from this month?" And I think again, it boils down to just doing the little things. You know, things that you wouldn't normally be doing because that will give you a sense of um, achievement that you've at least, okay, I never used to pray sunnah before or I never regularly prayed my, I don't know, you know, zuhr sunnah before, but now I'm doing it. That automatically will give you something that you're doing extraordinary or extra special, which you would not do outside the month of Ramadan. So even those small things, um, firstly, hopefully, inshallah, it will give you that sense of, um, you doing something at least and it will give you the sense that okay you are accumulating those rewards you're doing something that you never used to do but you're doing it now um i would say even reading islamic books uh in you know gaining knowledge of some sort um especially tafsir book pondering on the quran and as we all know this month is the month of quran right and you know it's it's synonymous synonymous with quran ramadan um, yeah. fasting they all sort of merge together and i think one one other thing i wanted to actually quickly discuss was you, you know how we talk about the mid slump ramadan right the 15th ish ramadan became obligatory upon the muslims uh, in the second year of hijrah so once they migrated to medina um, one of the first uh, big change that came into medina was the changing of the qibla that was like one of the major changes of islam that occurred after they um, migrated to medina but the yeah. second major thing that was introduced to islam was the whole idea of fasting and fasting was prescribed to the muslims in the second year of hijrah in the month of uh, sha'ban and sha'ban as we all know is only one month before ramadan so the sahaba the prophet وسلم, all the muslims they only had a month to prepare yeah. We have 11 months to prepare. Right? <laughs> oh. We have we have the whole year to prepare and, you know, um, and think to ourselves how we're going to benefit. 
they had one month, right? But guess what? This one month, look at the way they prepared because in that same month of Ramadan, that one month later when they did start to fast, midway through Ramadan, well, when I say midway, on the 17th, you can mm. call that kind of midway. On yeah. the 17th, one of the most historic battles ever took place. And this was the Battle of Badr. And Muslims, despite being so low in numbers, and despite being you know, totally defeated on paper, they came out victorious. Why? Because they had that dua. They asked for forgiveness from Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them uh, victory via the angels, you know, through the invisible army. The angels came down to help them. So thinking about that, how they made dua and how they asked for forgiveness and how much tawakkul and belief they had in Allah, even though this was the first ever Ramadan and they are fasting and they are fighting. Imagine that, you know. We just about, you know, can go to work when we're fasting. <laughs> we get so tired and we, we find it really hard to do anything. Muslims, they were on the other side of the, you know, uh, they were fighting against um, the non-Muslims and a war broke out. And it's one of the first battles in Islam and also the most famous battle in Islam because the 313 men that participated are still remembered you know they are still remembered and the prophet said regarding them they can do whatever they want they are all forgiven subhanallah yeah and it shows you know this was in the month of ramadan and um all of our efforts that we are making inshallah that we will be rewarded in in in, in, a, in a certain way um so another question was and i think we've touched upon it um was just finding the motivation to read more Quran. Um, and I, I think I, I'm, I'm reading this question in, in the perspective of someone who maybe struggles to read the Quran. Um, what would you say to someone that is, is, is struggling with these things? You know, yeah. yeah. I would say to them that I'd love to be in your position. Do you know why? I would love to be in a position of a person who is struggling to read the Quran, yet they read. And the reason I say this is because, again, a beautiful hadith regarding that if a person is reading the Quran, they get reward, right? Like, you know, whoever can read the Quran fluently, they're getting rewarded. But a person who struggles and read the Quran, they get double reward. They get double reward because of the hardship they're encountering. Maybe, you know, uh, they, they, they might not have learned it properly, but they're still trying. They still, they don't want to give up. You know, they struggle. They could just close the book and say, you know what, I give up. But they're still going. They're getting the reward twice, one for like reciting the Quran and then the hardship they're going through. So that is a position of privilege. I think that is a motivational factor, you know, for anyone who feels like they can't do it. And remember, I think it's very important to get this message across. You don't have to read one juice a day. If you're struggling, whatever you can, you know, anything you read is going to be good. Of course, ideally um, to read, to finish the khatam at least once in Ramadan, that's, you know, ideal. But if you can't, don't force yourself so much that you're struggling or you, you know, you come midway through Ramadan and you know, you slowly start to say, oh, you know what, forget it, I can't do it. So I think that definitely should be something. And I, regarding the Quran as well, um, bear in mind, you know, 
one of the first few verses in the Quran is Alif Lam Mim, Lalikal Kitabula Raybafi, Hudalil Muttaqeen. It is a guidance for people of taqwa. And what does fasting, what's the whole aim of fasting? We hear this verse probably so many times in the month of Ramadan that we've prescribed fasting, ordained fasting, just like we have in the previous nations. Why? Look at that connection. To achieve taqwa, to achieve God consciousness is why we fast. And the Quran is a book for those people who have taqwa. So if we are fasting properly, this book is going to be our guidance. So if you read the Quran and if you can't read it fluently and or if you can't do one Tuesday a day, maybe read a few verses, even though you're struggling, but read the tafsir as well. Read, you know, you can, you can um, download many different types of tafsir books uh, online now. You can purchase books. And just reading and pondering over those verses is so, so important. And I think that's one thing we should at least try to do in this month as well to ponder over the quran um i mean you want to see what this how that verse in the quran can relate to you and it's actually so fascinating because regarding ramadan allah only speaks about it once so he only speaks about fasting in this month of ramadan only once in the quran and you think mm. to yourself what you know like it's a major pillar of islam why is it only mentioned once um salah is mentioned you know that, you know, hundreds of times, zakah is mentioned many times, hajj is also uh, quite a few times, but why is fasting only mentioned once? So fasting, if you look at that verse where fasting, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about uh, fasting in the second juice in Surah Baqarah, so it's in the second kind of um, section of the Quran, but prior to those verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the uh, Musa alayhi nation the Bani Israel, and, you know, all the silly things that they got themselves into, right? So then Allah brings this verse of fasting. So basically Allah is telling us, look, those previ the previous nation, they lost, they didn't have that guidance because they did not have taqwa. But for you guys, now this nation has the chance. And straight after that verse of fasting, Allah then talks about, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ if, if they ask about you, how close am I? Tell them like, I'm really near. So it's a month of dua. It's a month mm. of attaining taqwa. It's got, look at the connection that it all has. It's like key ingredients going into one in this month. And I think once we really believe in all these things, it really will give us a different perspective of Ramadan and give us a different kind of um, shed some new light on how special this month is and some say you know some scholars say is ramadan has ramadan always been special or because of the quran being revealed in this month ramadan became special so that's a, a, another topic but i think you know regarding what you mentioned about the quran just read as much as you can you know doesn't matter how much how less how much just read alhamdulillah i i think um that is uh, a perfect way to end this episode you know honestly i feel inspired i feel like i've taken away uh so much to inshallah impl impl implement for myself uh, for the last uh, of course i i, I say half. everything um everything i mentioned today it goes to me as well you know i really want to obviously um improve as well i think there's shortcomings in all of us um and we can definitely make more 
use of this month. Um, and so this advice is for myself firstly and for everyone who's listening. And inshallah, it benefits people. Inshallah, inshallah. May Allah give us the strength to make the most of what is remaining of this blessed month, inshallah. So uh, yeah, that is um, the end of this episode. Uh, inshallah, another one that you can really, really benefit off. Um, and yeah, I need to shout out my socials. So uh, please make sure, oh, before I do that, um, do you want to say anything about the Al-Ansar or... Please do, please um, do, please do. (laughs) Thanks for giving me this time. Um, Yeah, so uh, what we do in Cambridge is me and a few friends, we've um, organized, we've come up with a small organization in Cambridge where we like to facilitate Islamic events, Islamic tours, uh, one being, you know, going to Umrah and visiting the Holy Lands. One of them, inshallah, soon will be Aqsa. If we can, yeah, you know, I, I know you're doing it as well, mashallah. It's, it's <laughs> lovely to see you, see you doing that. So, inshallah, you know, Al Ansar is an organization which we thought, you know, we, there's nothing here that there's no platform where the youngsters or even just the Muslims, the general Muslims can benefit from. So, we decided to start this organization up. We started in 2012. So it's been eight years now, alhamdulillah. So please, guys, would love it if you guys can, you know, follow us um, on Instagram at alansar underscore org. Um, and I've got a page as well, but there's no point me, you guys following <laughs> my page. Um, I just, I just, whatever I learn, whatever knowledge I learn from other scholars, I just, I, I do like to share it with others. So, you know, if it, if it, if you think it's going to be beneficial to you, then. It's at ustad.saifalana. Inshallah. Um, and you know what? I have to say, um, the, the Umrah trip that we went on, uh, facilitated and run by yourself, alhamdulillah, it was amazing. You know, we covered something I don't feel many do. You know, it, it was, you, you kind of put us there at the time of the Prophet Sallallahu when you went through the seerah. Uh, and it just allows us to really, really picture it. Uh, which I, I'm truly, truly appreciateful for. Alhamdulillah. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, please do, please do follow uh, Maulana Saiful um, and make sure you follow us if you enjoyed this episode. It's uh, on Instagram, it's We Are GC Podcast, same on Twitter. Make sure you follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this too. And alhamdulillah, end of the episode. Asalaamu Alaikum, guys. Take care. Yes,